What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? We are live with the awesome FanDuel DFS show, the week three edition. I am your host, Matt Kajewski, and I am here with Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajewski, and you can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you know when this and all of our other videos go live. That is the best way to support Kyle and myself. And let's see how many likes we can rack up today. The FanDuel-specific show, we love to talk about the DFS slate overall. And I think every time we talk about the slate, we always have to consider the big injuries. This is an interesting week. I don't think we have a a Miles Sanders, Boston Scott situation. We don't have a lot of questionable players. However, we do have a lot of the studs off the slate. Christian McCaffrey, he's out. Saquon Barkley is hurt. Raheem Oster and Tevin Coleman are both not expected to play, leaving us with some cheap running back options. Of course, there's Mike Davis, there's the Devontae Freeman, Deion Lewis, and maybe you're even dipping your toes into some Jarek McKinnon. I know we have other backs on the slate, Kyle, but first of all, with the injuries to these bell cows, are you going to target any of these guys? Yeah, I can't really. I would assume like Devonta Freeman immediately signed with the team and gets on the field and practices. He's going to have close to a full week of practice, it looks like. So for me, I would imagine he is active in his first game and that he takes away some work from Deion Lewis. Deion Lewis is a guy that's only really excited about like on DK anyways. The half PPR really does nerf his upside. Mike Davis sort of gets the same scenario, but we have seen Christian McCaffrey and granted Christian McCaffrey is better, but they were giving him, you know, a lot of, he's Christian McCaffrey, he scores a ton of touchdowns. Mike Davis, if he comes in and all he has to do is score really one touchdown to really be a value right now, he's a guy who I could see myself maybe getting into. I would say for me, most importantly though, I think there's a non-zero chance that Jeff Wilson is like a 20 carry guy. So I think it's really interesting that people are excited about Jarek McKinnon. I get it. He's like a crazy athlete, was a like a converted quarterback coming out of college, but he's through different regimes on different teams has never at any point in his career seen over 20 carries. Jeff Wilson is a guy who he's hardly ever active, but when he is, he steps in and we've seen him in 19 games. He's gone over 20 carries once already. He would be the guy I would think would take over that Raheem Mostert role and Jerick McKinnon would play some sort of hybrid of his own normal role, which is to catch a few passes and Tevin Coleman's role. I kind of think that it's interesting to get in on some 49ers holding a lead, running Jeff Wilson a lot this week. I'm not going to go overboard with it, but I doubt anyone is interested in that move. So for me, I think it's worth considering. Uh, Yeah, not really interested in the Giants backfield at all now. It's kind of a mess. And Mike Davis, eh, I don't know. Uh, Maybe you can convince me on him if you like him. But for me, I'm probably leaving him off my rosters. Honestly, with Mike Davis, I'm a little worried they they put some Curtis Samuel in the backfield. I mean, I would love to see if Curtis Samuel was absolutely dynamic at Ohio State, but it's just a fluid situation, one that I don't think we really want to target a ton for DFS. With the 13 games still on the main slate, we still have all of your main runners, you know, Miles Sanders, Kenyon Drake, Jonathan Taylor. And we're going to get into all these guys, but there's so much opportunity cost just by playing a, a, a Jeff Wilson, a Devontae Freeman. You name the cheap running back. I just don't think I'm going to get there. We are getting some injury news rolling in this morning, and it's always important to monitor injuries on the slate. We don't have a ton of guys questionable at this point, but it does look like Christian Kirk could miss this week. He's not practicing again on Thursday. 
And this is one of the matchups I think we want to target in DFS, this Arizona-Detroit game. If Christian Kirk sits this game, you know, he was coming in with significant ownership. Who do we look to in his place? So Christian Kirk has played kind of the opposite role of, of any other receiver on this team so far in that he's on the outside and he's stretching the field, which is something that Kyler Murray and this Cliff Kingsbury offense has been very averse to doing. They do not seem, they seem comfortable with, and it's working, so you can't blame them for just getting, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald five eight-dot targets, and they catch most of them, and you you move the chains. But Kirk's been running a ton of routes that go deep downfield, and the only other guy, like they have two guys that have even seen snaps at wide receiver outside of obviously Hopkins, Kirk, and Fitzgerald. It's Andy Isabella with only, I mean, it's not an insignificant amount, 17% of the snaps, almost 18%, 28 snaps, and Trent Sherfield, seven snaps on the entire year. Andy Isabella would be the guy to step in. I'm going to assume he's at or near minimum price. And man, he has, he has like, really big splash play upside and this is a game where you could actually see it when they when they face you know san francisco and the game's a relatively modest total or when they beat up on a team like washington and you don't necessarily have to air it out 40 plus times a game i'm probably not looking to anybody outside deandre hopkins but if this is a game that you think you can stack you're gonna get i would think even if kirk is ruled out very middling to no ownership on andy isabella he's got like 14 and then like 20 some yards per target in his you know last year and this year in a tiny sample but that's because the times he gets targeted, he's wide open downfield. So I, I really like Andy Isabella. I think you would only go there in the largest field tournaments. And it's only, only, only if Christian Kirk is out. But I think if you want to get your Kyler Murray stacks different, he has big play upside. I kind of, I'd be interested. Maybe it's just my dynasty mindset, but I think Andy Isabella is a playmaker when he's on the field. And that seems so rare. Oh man, I love Andy Isabella. You don't have to talk to me into this, this U.S. Yes. kid in his, his second year. I would love to see him get a full workload. Of course, I, I think it could, could possibly bump DeAndre Hopkins' ownership in. Larry Fitzgerald on FanDuel specifically, he's just 5,400. He's actually coming in with around 5% ownership right now. I think if we get Christian Kirk out, that would probably bump up a little bit. If you want to get real weird, Dan Arnold's actually been running a lot of, of routes and playing a decent amount of snaps at the tight end position. So I don't know. People will try to target this game. Christian Kirk is really one of the main injuries I'm monitoring right now heading into the weekend. But outside of that, there's not too many. So let's dive into our position-by-position position breakdown of the FanDuel main slate. We'll start with quarterback. And the chalk is coming in, I think rightfully so, on Kyler Murray in this same game that we're already talking about. Kyler Murray it looks like he is going to be the most on play on FanDuel. Ownership is a little more spread out because Kyler Murray is 8,400. So you do have to pay for him a little bit. I think when you're looking at the expensive quarterbacks, it becomes a, a difficult discussion between Murray at 8,400, maybe Russell Wilson at 8,700, and Dak Prescott in that marquee game of the week against Seattle, 8,500. Is there one of those guys you prefer if you're going to eat chalk at the QB position on FanDuel? Yeah, if I choose to, to eat the chalk at quarterback, I'm probably going to look to Dak Prescott, I would say, because uh, on FanDuel you don't necessarily have the 100-yard bonus for a the rushing upside. And uh, I think Dak Prescott is probably the guy who I'd be most interested in targeting. I think it's either him or Russell Wilson because the pricing is so close. I love Kyler Murray. I really do. But on FanDuel, they actually, I would say they got the price right, and they priced all these guys within 300 of each other. I'm looking for probably the better game environment. I think there should be, you know, Vegas has it as close, but it has the Dak Prescott versus Russell Wilson matchup as a more exciting for fantasy matchup. I think this game also just has a crazy high ceiling relative to, I'm not entirely sure I see the absolute, you know, 80 points in a game ceiling that we can see with, you know, Kyler Murray facing off against Detroit. I'm not sure that game has the ultimate upside ceiling, whereas Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, we've seen both of these teams like double ceiling weeks. So for me, I'm probably looking to either of these guys. I would say Dak Prescott. I just think I've, I've been – both of these offenses are so impressive. I, I don't really have a hard stance on one of those two, but I would take them because the pricing is close, and I would say correct, that I would take them over Kyler Murray. Am I selling Kyler Murray too short? I would say I would rank them probably Dak, Russell, Kyler, but you could flip the top two for me pretty easily. Yeah, Kyler's really gotten it done with his legs. There's a lot of reasons to like him. Of course, that rushing production, it's, it's more of a – I guess you're looking kind of like a Lamar Jackson type runner for Kyler, whereas Dak and Russell Wilson, they do offer you some rushing point six. He's just not attacking downfield at the same rate as a guy like Dak is a guy like Russell Wilson. So while he's a good play, you know, for your tournaments, I'm not sure you want to play Murray. I think he's harder to stack. And I do agree with you that, you know, Dak and Russell Wilson are two of the better plays at quarterback on this slate. And certainly 
warranted ownership up there. I, I guess for a cheaper quarterback, we have Cam Newton sort of in this range. He's at 7,700. That's a really interesting matchup against Las Vegas. The total coming in a little higher than I expected. It's up around 48 and a half points, depending on your sports book right now. Rather than going to the trio of Murray, Wilson, or Dak Prescott, do you think Cam Newton is viable just for a slight discount? Yeah, I think Cam Newton is definitely viable for, yeah, a pretty reasonable discount, you know, a thousand discount over Wilson in that range of 700 or so to a guy like Kyler. And really what you're going to Kyler for is that rushing production. Like you said, his passing, and I don't think it's really an indictment of him. He has one of the lower ADOTs among quarterbacks. That's just how the horizontal air rate is going to be run. It works, <laughs> but it's not ideal. It's not perfect for fantasy specifically for quarterbacks. It's great for PPR guys like, like uh, DeAndre Hopkins. But when you look at half PPR and FanDuel, and then you look at it, it doesn't give you that explosive yardage upside i think if you were looking to play a high price quarterback in cash i would say if you want murray just pivot to newton because you're getting similar rushing production and i would say his touchdown production could be just as good on murray on the ground so i would say if you're looking for rushing production why wouldn't you just go cam newton you could even go josh allen for a little bit cheaper than murray as well i just think murray kind of falls in this no man's land where his ceiling isn't I would say is not as high as Dak or Russell and his floor is probably similar to guys who are a bit cheaper in Cam Newton in Josh Allen. Yeah. I mean, with this Arizona team, if you want to talk like matchup specific stuff, Detroit is allowing the most yards per rush attempt on the ground. I think in a game where we have Arizona projected to win a pretty sizable spread here, I think going to a guy like Kenyon Drake as a pivot off of Kyler Murray makes a lot of sense. As far as Cam Newton goes, this game, I mean, they're favored by nearly a touchdown. I think what you like about Cam Newton, aside from his efficient passing to start the year, completing 74, excuse me, 71 and a half percent of his passes, that's seventh in the NFL. He is throwing downfield at a higher rate, 8.4 yards per attempt to six in the NFL. And then we talk about Newton on the goal line. He's not rushing like Murray, but he's rushing where it matters. And he's rushing in the red zone on the goal line. And he's taking all those carries away from James White, Sony Michelle. We were, we, you and I were tilting hard last week about Dak taking in those rushing touchdowns and calling it a fluke. I don't, I don't think it's a fluke with Cam Newton. This guy's routinely taking in carries inside the red zone. What, what do you make of that? Yeah, that is, that is what I was alluding to is that touchdown upside. Of course, I would say Murray is probably faster, more shifty, athletic at this point in his career than Cam Newton, but we saw it. They were willing to bet. They were betting the house on, they put the entire game on Cam Newton in that big package they have on the goal line. We're going to see that so many times when they get there. We even saw last year that like, like Tom Brady was a guy that they're willing to sneak in. And I believe that's probably because they know their running backs are just either not built for it. You're not going to use a guy like James White as a goal line back or are just bad in Sony Michelle. I'd so much rather have Cam Newton trying to punch in one, two yard scores than I would Sony Michelle or obviously James White, even Rex Burkhead, as much as I, I kind of like his utility as a player is not a goal line back their goal line back is going to be Cam Newton or Kyler Murray, kind of the opposite. He's faster, more athletic, but you wouldn't want to use tiny little Kyler Murray on the goal line when you have Kenyon Drake. So it, it is exactly flipped where the touchdowns are going to be in favor of Cam Newton. And for a 700 discount, I would just pivot down to him. One more note on the Arizona game, the, uh, the Lions might not get to run a ton of plays. They're underdogs right now. And we've seen because Kyler Murray completes like 70% of his passes, but they only pass at like the 21st highest rate, probably because they're winning a lot, but they are expected to win here. That their opponents don't get to run a ton of plays. They basically just keep the ball inbounds and keep the clock running. The, the Arizona side typically choose clock as long as their offense is functioning the way they want it to function. So maybe a game, like you said, that Kenyon Drake pivot, I'm really starting to open up to despite like, I love Kyler Murray, but I think the Kenyon Drake pivot really makes a ton of sense for me. Yeah, sticking with the QB position, we have Matthew Stafford down as a fade just between you and I. And if we're talking very cheap quarterbacks, it's interesting. Our top five most owned quarterbacks, according to the Osmo projections, are all north of 7,700 on FanDuel. And when we start to get to that lower price range, Stafford is the cheap quarterback with the highest ownership, just 5.8%. And you said it with Stafford. I'm a little worried about the plays that Detroit's going to run. Arizona is already a fairly run-heavy team. They're, they're running the ball at a top half rate in the league. And then you mentioned when they're throwing the A dot is so low that they're just routinely completing more and more passes and turning clock. Their opponents have run 61 and 60 total plays in two games. I know because I stacked Dwayne Haskins last week. That is certainly not what you're looking for if you're stacking the other side of the Arizona games. So I guess that brings me to a question. It doesn't sound like you're really in on Kyler. It doesn't sound like you're really in on Matthew Stafford. Those are two of the chalkiest quarterbacks 
in one of the most owned games in the week. Where are you going to turn to for leverage? Yeah, for me, there's a few solid spots. I'm looking at one right now that I don't want to I don't want to give up the ghost right now in one of your favorite plays of the slate. But in this game that I find to be more and more interesting, Carolina versus the Chargers. I like Justin Herbert's side. I think you can totally attack Teddy Bridgewater. And essentially, once you move off, I would say uh, it looks like Carson Wentz is kind of the tier break where there's like four percent and above quarterbacks all the way up to, you know, almost fifth of the field on Kyler Murray, then you're looking at sub 2% plays, everybody after Carson Wentz. So anytime I can dip into these guys, I don't want to say confidently, but I feel solid about Justin Herbert. His opener was great. He was efficient on a, a per attempt basis. He looked aggressive. And of course he ended up rushing in a touchdown. He's a guy who I think he propels this offense forward compared to Tyrod Taylor, who that's an injury. We didn't, is it an injury that we didn't bring up? I don't know what it is. What a, what a bumbling. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Franchise the Chargers trying to assassinate Tyrod Taylor just to get Justin Herbert in the lineup. But uh, I like Justin Herbert in a game that I think could easily hit the over. Both offenses have, I would say, potential on the Carolina side, Justin Herbert really gives them that potential, in my opinion. He can get it done with his legs and through the air. And, of course, his weapons are just sick. And then on the other side, the defense is so incredibly bad. Their run defense is terrible. Their corners are terrible. Everything I like about a bad defense Carolina has. So I would say Justin Herbert, one of my favorite leverage plays. I think another spot you could go to one of the uh, just a solid pivot, Ben Roethlisberger versus a soft pits or a soft Houston defense. Both of Houston's outside corners, I believe, are outside the top 60 per PFF. Everybody on their team is outside the top 40, except for one of their safeties at their positions. Like they just don't have a ton of talent. JJ Watt is the one guy and he hasn't really, he's getting old and he's been injured for years. I'm not sure he is at least peak JJ Watt anymore. That doesn't seem that way. So for me, it's a defense that is in shambles. It's a game that I think features two awesome quarterbacks. My only concern with him is that uh, like the Pittsburgh defense just completely shuts out or shuts down the, the Houston offense, in which case it's not a fun game to stack. But I'm willing to take that risk at the low ownership on him and to a lesser extent, Watson. But I think I'll just get my exposure to this game with Big Ben. That's a really interesting call. That total sitting around 44 and a half points right now. And as far as the Chargers Panthers game, that one is sitting currently at a 44 point total, depending on the sports book you're looking at. It was really interesting to me that Justin Herbert came in a little more expensive at 7,200 on FanDuel over Teddy Bridgewater, 6,700. Bridgewater has been really efficient to start the year. He's completing 72.4% of his passes. That's sixth in the NFL. Also 8.4 yards per attempt is seventh. And people like to knock Teddy Bridgewater for being more of a check down passer. We haven't exactly seen that through two weeks of the year. I know it's a small sample size, then we look to the offense Carolina's running. They ran 71 plays last week. That's a little closer to what we expected from Joe Brady, their new offensive coordinator, coming over from that LSU system. They no longer have Christian McCaffrey. I kind of like the run back on this Carolina side against the Chargers team that's quietly running a lot of plays as well. They're fourth in the NFL in plays per game. I think you can look to Teddy Bridgewater as a quietly efficient quarterback, stacking with DJ Moore, who perhaps he's an elevated target share. I mean, it's already 30%. But no McCaffrey, maybe that jumps a little bit. So I don't hate the run back with the Bridgewater side. Is Am I crazy for trying to stack these Teddy Bridgewater games? No, I think the price is really good on him. And even we saw last year that, no, he's not going to be the – he's not Jameis Winston aggressive, but he's efficient when he throws deep. He was one of the better deep ball passers last year in terms of completion percentage, pass rating, all these metrics. Liked him as a deep ball passer when he was a spot starter in New Orleans. He just didn't get to do it often, both because of his general tendencies, but also because of the New Orleans system. I think with guys like Robbie Anderson, even DJ Moore, who's super fast, maybe a guy who doesn't get a ton of looks downfield, but he has the weapons to be a downfield passer, at least to be a high completion rate on his downfield attempts. And we've only seen him score once, but they also had Christian McCaffrey get four scores in two games. If Mike Davis isn't going to take both of those scores per game, that opens up some touchdown equity for Teddy Bridgewater. And the stacking options are, are quite obvious to me. It's, it's for me. I, do you have any interest in Curtis Samuel? I think he's still, I just see him as more of a gadget player. So that eliminates him. And I would say DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson is an easy two piece stack. And it's so cheap getting them with Teddy Bridgewater at 6,700 that you can feel fine eating some, you know, Ezekiel Elliott chalk paying up and 
paying up in terms of ownership, you can feel fine with that because nobody's going to be stacking Teddy Bridgewater. And that gives you both a differentiated player and a differentiated price point at quarterback. I don't hate Curtis Samuel, and it's not really as a stacking option with Teddy Bridgewater. I just kind of think they use him out of the backfield a little more. You think of like a Lubiska Chenault role, but in, in Carolina. You're talking my language now. So I, I think he could be used in that way. I don't know if it makes him really enticing to stack with, with Teddy Bridgewater, but I mean, at least something to consider. Curtis Samuel does have sort of that gadget skill set, but he's also a burner, so he could run downfield, maybe hit you a long play too. But we've touched on most of the main quarterbacks at this point. Let's head over to the running back position. And I think this discussion has to start with a chalky Miles Sanders. The DFS sites didn't do a great job adjusting Miles Sanders' price tag. On FanDuel specifically, he is 7,400. But we just saw Miles Sanders in his return to action week two. He played on 84% of Philadelphia's run snaps. He handled 20 carries and he saw seven targets in the pass game. Not to mention he ran a route on 70% of Carson Wentz dropbacks, making him a legitimate bell cow in this offense. He draws a matchup here against the Cincinnati Bengals in a quiet shootout as six-point favorites. Are you just locking Miles Sanders on FanDuel? Like, what do we do with him here? Yeah, I think Miles Sanders is a guy who is chalky, and that is certainly warranted. I'll probably be – I'll probably just try and get over the field on him, probably on both sides. I think Miles Sanders – and we didn't see – the one thing that gets me really optimistic is we didn't see Boston Scott – completely take over any sort of receiving role. It was like three targets, I believe, for Scott to, like you said, seven for Miles Sanders. He's clearly the three down back. And we've talked about, you know, Doug Peterson not wanting to utilize, you know, a bell cow back. That seems to be only because he has never had a bell cow back. He has never had a Miles Sanders. Now he has a Miles Sanders. And for us, we have a 7,400 Miles Sanders. He's a favorite, which is great for running backs. He plays a, a pretty bad if not terrible Cincinnati defense we saw most recently get chewed up by both Cleveland running backs so for me he is absolutely a guy that I'm comfortable going over the field on there are guys that I think I'm comfortable like if I'm going to be over the field on him I have to be under the field on some other guys and I think I have a few picked out that I'm comfortable with saying I'm just not going to be rostering these guys I'm going to shift all of my chips onto Miles Sanders it makes sense I like Miles Sanders a lot I think on FanDuel, it is more of a discussion. I know DraftKings gets a lot of talk in the industry these days where Miles Sanders is egregiously cheap. But on FanDuel, I think there's at least a discussion because you have Kenyon Drake, he's 6,500 on FanDuel. You have Jonathan Taylor, he's 6,700 on FanDuel. And, you know, with Kenyon Drake to Miles Sanders, you're paying almost a thousand more to get up to Sanders. We talked about Drake at the beginning. I think there is some debate to have. I know, I mean, you could always just play two, but if you're deciding between Sanders and Drake, I I do think it's a reasonable conversation. Drake has played on 78% of Arizona's run snaps, averaging 20 touches per game. He has 36 total attempts and four targets to start the year. And I just want to point out his pass game role. People want to consider Chase Edmonds to be the pass catcher now among this backfield. Kenyon Drake is still running more routes than Chase Edmonds. He's running about on 47% of Murray dropbacks, to 37% for Chase Edmonds. And I really think this is a situation where Arizona is just running so many plays that Kenyon Drake just can't be on the field for every single play. They're running 75 and a half plays per game. At some point, they're going to have to spell this guy, which is why Edmonds is playing some. So on FanDuel specifically, pivoting down to Drake at 6,500, I think makes a lot of sense. Are you looking to maybe get away from Sanders with a guy like Drake or Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, I think those guys would make sense. I'm probably not looking to get away from them as much as I'm just trying to mix those guys into my builds. For me, I think the odd man out, in my opinion, is going to be we have we have Josh Jacobs is particularly popular. I'm not going to be super. I just don't want to run Raiders off of one good game into a a grading New England defense. So I, I get that New England is not the same defense we saw last year, but I'm fine eating some chalk at running back because I know I'm not going to be eating any with Josh Jacobs. And I'm not sure I love Derrick Henry either. He's just a guy that he needs multiple touchdowns. He can't really get there in the passing game. And we've seen that, especially last week, that if like running back efficiency can be fluky, I know we can say that he's going to get 20 plus carries, but if he just runs it 3.7 yards per carry and he doesn't score, he absolutely kills you. He seems like a guy who is more capable. I would say he's more capable of busting, especially given his 8,200 price tag. He's so much more capable of busting lineups than a guy like Drake or even a guy like Taylor. Honestly, if you want a guy who's super athletic, 
faces, you know, is a is a favorite this week and is going to get 25 plus carries. Why would you not just play Jonathan Taylor over Derrick Henry? People say Derrick Henry is such an incredible athlete. News: Jonathan Taylor is also an incredible athlete. Runs a sub four four at like 220 some pounds. Like he is just smaller, more compact. Derrick Henry is kind of Saquon Barkley esque in his athleticism. So I'm going to be pretty much off Henry, off Jacobs. That makes me feel more comfortable going to guys like Sanders, Drake, and Taylor, even though they certainly will be popular. I'm not getting unique by doing that. All right, so it sounds like the question with the running back chalk is not which one are you playing, it's in what combination are you playing these guys between Sanders, Drake, and Taylor, and I largely agree with that. If you play some combination of Sanders, Drake, Taylor, and maybe you want to throw some Derrick Henry in there, it affords you a lot of salary to go up and play some of the better players at other positions, but we're kind of avoiding the elephant in the room right now, and it is the most expensive player at the running back position, Ezekiel Elliott, the guy that burned you and I so badly last week, allowing Dak Prescott to punch in those goal line touchdowns. He's expensive on FanDuel. You actually have to make a decision here. He's a 9K. Are you getting any of him in your lineups? Yeah, I will have a... a Decent amount of Zeke. I don't think I'm going to go crazy on them this week because of that price tag, because I like guys like Sanders, Drake, Taylor. So I don't think he's a bad play, but that price tag is expensive. And I do think we could see a scenario, you know, not unlike last week, I'm not saying Dak punches in them, but he scores. So I think he's probably more of a, a tactical leverage play off of Dallas, you know, off the Dallas passing game, then he is just an outright smash standalone play. He's got the receiving work. He definitely has the red zone work. But at that price tag, it is certainly viable to pivot down to guys like Drake Taylor. He's more of a leverage off the offense than he is like just an outright smash for me. For sure. It's a tough decision on FanDuel because we have such a discrepancy in pricing here. If we compare it to, to DraftKings specifically, they're much closer in pricing. So getting up to Elliott does offer at least a little bit of opportunity cost here when you can play a guy like Kenyon Drake 6,400 on the site he's nearly 3k cheaper and you know that brings me to a question with leverage we talked about maybe you go and play some Derrick Henry here and it sounds like you want to mix in a lot of chalk this week if you are looking for a leverage low owned spot at the running back position is there someone you're targeting yeah, I'm not going to be getting too crazy at running back this week, but there are a few guys I think you could definitely consider playing. I'm looking down the price range. I, I talked about him earlier. I don't think it's the worst play. Jeff Wilson at 52, especially if, if people are, you know, I knew it. getting, I don't hate it. I think, I think the chalk I'm pretty comfortable with this week. I would say maybe another place you could go He's going to be, I don't think he'll be crazy popular. You can go Melvin Gordon. David Johnson, though, is really the one guy. He's sort of in the exact same situation as Melvin Gordon. His, you know, scat back type backup is, is assumedly out. I don't think Duke Johnson's officially been ruled out, but I would imagine he doesn't play. David Johnson, one of our best projected points per dollar plays at 6,900. Last week, they didn't have a running back. Houston didn't have a running back outside of David Johnson. See a single touch, I believe. If he's going to get all of the work, we saw Melvin Gordon get there against this Pittsburgh defense. The matchup is tough, but no matchup is infallible. If you're going to get like literally 100% of the backfield work, David Johnson seems to be that guy, or at least, I don't know, 80, 90, as long as Duke Johnson is out. I could see myself getting into some David Johnson. He's certainly going to be less popular than most other, you know, three down backs on the slate. I don't think you need to get crazy off the board, but he's a guy that I don't think it takes much to be over the field on. I probably will have some David Johnson. For sure. David Johnson's a guy that's projecting extremely well right now. So I like that call. We have about a hundred of you watching in the chat. So please hit that thumbs up button. If you can, it is the best way to support the show. And if you, everyone in the chat, I need, I need you guys to tell me if I'm a little crazy on my, my leverage play. I really like at the running back position and it's Chris Carson. Now you might be thinking Chris Carson, what are you thinking about him? He's in a timeshare with Carlos Hyde. Well, this Seattle game, as we've talked about, has the highest total on the slate. Chris Carson himself appears to have pulled away from this timeshare a little bit. If we, we look to week two specifically, Carson, he outcarried Hyde 17 to 5. He also played on 68% of the run snaps to Hyde's 20%. Those are sharp increases after Hyde. He was on the field for 35% of run snaps in week one. That dropped all the way to 20%. And then we already talked about the carry discrepancy. In a game that's expected to score so many points, Seattle is quietly projected to, to win this game by five points right now. That's pretty nice game script for a guy like Chris Carson. Kyle, do you think I'm crazy for looking at him? No, I mean, it is exactly what we talked about last week with Zeke, where he's a guy that if the touchdowns break his way, he is indirectly, or he is like 
you know, inversely correlated with his offense. If Carson punches in two, that is two touchdowns that don't go to Tyler Lockett plus Russell Wilson, you know, DK Metcalf plus Russell Wilson. And unlike Zeke, he actually is going to be, I don't want to say low owned, but he's going to be sub 10%. So Zeke, you still, you're not like the craziest different if you play Zeke and no Dallas. You are getting pretty different if you're playing Chris Carson, no Seattle guys after him. So he's a guy who I think actually is like a supreme leverage play off of this Seattle offense. And we've seen if they're going to have a lead, up until, you know, the first two weeks of 2020, they are so comfortable with shutting Russell Wilson down. I don't think that philosophy is entirely dead. I think maybe they are updating their philosophy in Seattle, but they're not entirely abandoning the run game. So Chris Carson is a guy at sub 10% ownership and in a great game environment, both from the raw scoring and from the favorite lead. I think it makes sense to go to Chris Carson, especially in lineups where you don't have exposure to any other part of Seattle. For sure. He's a really interesting play on Fandle where he's more expensive than Miles Sanders. And of course, because he's more expensive than Sanders, he's also more expensive than Drake and Taylor and quite significantly too. But with the condensed ownership, it sounds like you are going to have at the running back position. Are there a couple guys you're fading then? I, Dalvin Cook is expensive. He's disappointed to start the year, but he actually projects for ownership, you know, in the same range as guys like Ezekiel Elliott, like Josh Jacobs, is he someone maybe you're fading or is there anyone else that really is particularly standing out to you as a poor play ahead of the week three slate? Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that Dalvin Cook coming off of a slow start, especially in week one. I know we saw Alexander Madison get a bit involved. I just don't see why at the same With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Same price point or nearly the same price point as Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott. You would split the difference. If he was going to be, if Derrick Henry and Ezekiel Elliott were both 30 plus percent owned and, and Dalvin Cook was five, you know, three, sure, he makes a great leverage play, but you're not going too off the board by playing Dalvin Cook. You're still eating a decent enough amount of chalk where I don't think it's worth the amount, the amount of uniqueness it gives you. And it's certainly not worth just the raw projection I'll take, even though I'm not going to have much Derrick Henry, I would still prefer Henry over Cook. I'd still probably prefer Jacobs over Cook. And those are two guys I'm not on. Imagine how I feel about Dalvin Cook. So he's a guy I'm off of. Josh Jacobs, not too interested in Derrick Henry. If I'm going to be in on the chalk elsewhere, I just can't find it to get these guys in my lineups. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I think I'm taking the same approach, but everyone in the chat, I have to tell you about our awesome express pass editions. We're talking about a lot of great tools in the show, ownership in particular. There's a way you can access some of these. So we've added some great tools for our NFL Express Pass users. For only $3.95, you can purchase an NFL Weekly Express Pass, which now includes everything you need for NFL showdowns, single game contests. You can now access Osmo Showdown and single game player projections, ownership projections, and top plays tool when you purchase this pass in addition to player rankings, lineup builder light ownership rankings, and the Top Stacks Express tool. It's our best offering ever for an Express Pass. So head over to Osmo.com backslash join today to purchase your 395 NFL Express Pass. This is particularly important tonight. We have the showdown game, and it is a particularly exciting matchup between the Miami Dolphins and Jacksonville Jaguars, the battle for Florida. So make sure you go over, check out that Osmo Express Pass. I know I'm super excited for that game tonight, and it is a great way to use our tools Alex Baker himself creates and uses them all. So make sure to check that out. Let's head over to wide receiver. We've touched on the Seattle team a lot so far. We talked about the leverage in Chris Carson. You're getting so much leverage by going to Chris Carson because Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are projecting to be two of the top three most owned wide receivers 
on this FanDuel slate. We have Tyler Lockett coming in at 34%. He is 6,800. We have DK in coming in at 24.8%. He is 6,500. Are you willing to eat this chalk with the Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalfin? Is there one you prefer? Yeah, I think I'd probably, uh, in my preference, I would say, so we have we have Tyler Lockett as a massive discrepancy over DK Metcalf in terms of ownership. You can say they're both top three, but one of them is, you know, a third of the field supposedly is going to be on. The other one, it's more like a quarter. So I'm just going to take the ownership difference and, and a bit of a price discount go with DK Metcalf. Raw projection, I think Tyler Lockett is a better play, but I much more trust our ownership projections than I have for my own personal fantasy point projections. So I pivot to DK Metcalf, and you get a, a bit of an ownership discount again by going on the, the Dak Prescott side of things. Amari Cooper is still going to be popular, as is Gallup, but these guys are not going to be the, quite the level of chalk that we're going to see with Tyler Lockett. So I'll probably come in below the field on Tyler Lockett. I'll probably be with the field on DK Metcalf. I'm fine, again, going in on Amari Cooper, but I would be splitting really the way I think you can get unique outside of playing Chris Carson, which I think is a great strategy, is simply to go with CeeDee Lamb over Michael Gallup. We see this on both sides. Both sides still have Gallup, I believe, is the higher-priced guy. Both sides have him by $100 exactly, I think. But we have Michael Gallup with like over 7%, I believe, extra ownership, despite busting two straight weeks and not getting requisite targets that would make you think that he can really absolutely crush C.D. Lamb. He's gotten more air yards. I believe his average depth of target is like top five or 10 in the league. But if he's not converting on them and he's not consistently racking up those air yards on a play-by-play basis, I'm going to take the targets and the overall better projection in C.D. Lamb and run to the bank with that given his ownership. So in terms of the high-priced guys, Tyler Lockett, people are just so confident he's going to smash. Why can't it be D.K. Metcalf? And then the same thing, even a stronger stance on me for the Michael Gallup-C.D. Lamb split. Yeah, it makes sense. And just to clarify with the the Chris Carson, Ezekiel Elliott talk earlier, we like those guys as leverage plays, but we're absolutely in no way telling you to fade Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and the Cowboys receivers. They are all fantastic plays, and you should certainly consider mixing them into your lineups. As far as the Lockett and DK Metcalf situation, I think there's arguments to be made from both. DK Metcalf, in particular, 209 air yards is 15th in the NFL. He is a 48% air yard share of this Seattle offense. That's huge, big play potential. Tyler Lockett, he's the target leader, 27% of the targets there. Both of them are going to be fantastic plays against a Cowboys defense, which is extremely banged up. Outside of, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch on IR, Anthony Brown on IR, we have Demarcus Lawrence and Chidobe Uguze on the injury report. You need to watch the status of both those guys. They're two locked-in starters for this team. If they sit, I mean, the point total might rise. And to your point on, on Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, I couldn't agree more. I thought Gallup was going to come in with low ownership this week, given he's only seen 10 targets. That's a 12% target share. CeeDee Lamb actually out-targeted him 15 to 10 so far. But but Lamb, the cheaper receiver, excuse me, on FanDuel, Michael Gallup is 100 cheaper than Lamb. But Lamb, of course, the five more targets, it's still close enough in price where I agree with you. I think I would just much rather target CeeDee Lamb. Outside of this game in particular, of course, we're seeing ownership come on the come in on the Arizona side. We talked about the Christian Kirk situation at the top, but in that game, we also have DeAndre Hopkins, 8,500. He'll be your chalky high-owned receiver. And I have a question about roster construction for you. I think with people trying to jam in, of course, the cheap running backs, the, the Miles Sanders, the Kenyon Drakes, do you think people are just doing that to get up to DeAndre Hopkins at 8,500? Of course, no Devontae Adams. He's on an island game this week. No Michael Thomas. He's hurt. Are people just going to DeAndre Hopkins as that locked-in target leader of the NFL? I mean, our ownership projections say that that's exactly what they're doing. It seems like this week on FanDuel, we're going to have a, a particularly specific build of a mix of cheap running backs and DeAndre Hopkins, probably plus Tyler Lockett because he's quite affordable at, what is, 6800 It seems like that is going to be quite a popular build. And I'm not sure if it, it you know, correlation, causation, if it's that people want to get up to, to DeAndre Hopkins so they pay down for running backs or they pay down for running backs so they see they can get DeAndre Hopkins. But that seems like it's going to be the common build. And I, I don't love the Buccaneers. I don't think Tom Brady looks particularly great. But man, at the at a similar price range, you are getting less than one percent ownership on both Bucks top receivers, Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. I know last year they negatively correlated, and you sink a ton of money into this offense. They have to absolutely smash to really for all of this offense to go off. You know, when you adjust for their prices, if you're paying over seventy five hundred for Godwin and Evans, 
I don't know, you probably need a three-touchdown game from Brady, and I don't know if he's capable of that anymore. But for their ownership, it just seems too obvious to not have a few lineups that pivot off of the chalky DeAndre Hopkins, off of the chalky you know Adam Thielen we have as a guy is going to be pretty popular. Am I crazy for thinking you can double-stack Godwin Evans for the ultimate leverage play? Maybe. Now, that game doesn't exactly have the greatest game environment. Yeah, we're, we're it's not great. About- if you're double stacking that game, I mean, you're going to be fading at least one of the Seattle Dallas game or the Arizona Detroit game in order to jam in two Buccaneers against the Denver Broncos team in a game that has a 43 and a half point total. So I, I don't know if I'm willing to do the double stack and I particularly am not that interested in Brady at 7,300, but I, yeah. to your point, I certainly like Godwin or Evans as a low own play this week. Yeah. I mean, Godwin coming off the injury, it's just going to be such a condensed target share between the two of them. I think they make sense as a, a strong ownership play as far as some of the other high owned receivers on the slate, uh, you know, the running backs being so cheap, we're not seeing a ton of cheap guys jump in the ownership projections on Osmo.com as far as cheap ownership plays. I mean, once you go below six K outside of Michael Gallup, the next highest owned guy is Nikhil Harry. It's interesting because Julian Edelman is also popping with a decent amount of ownership here. I I do have some interest in both of these plays because the target share there is so, so, so condensed between the two of them. You talked about liking Cam Newton and liking his upside as a goal line rusher. Are you just going to be running him naked or is there any interest in a guy like Edelman or maybe Nikhil Harry as a cheaper play? Yeah, in tournaments, I I still don't think there's really any quarterback I would consider running naked. Maybe you can make the argument with Lamar, but all these guys, I doubt they are winning tournaments by scoring zero touchdowns through the air. And essentially, if you get a Nikhil Harry touchdown at 5,300, he's paying off. Like, it is just a locked-in fact that if he scores a touchdown, he's almost certainly paid off. So I think no matter who it is, I can't really imagine a scenario where I am not at least running a single stack of a quarterback and a receiver, because even as great as our rushing quarterbacks are in the NFL right now, for them to actually win you a GPP, you are, you almost certainly have to have them hit at least one touchdown. Maybe you could say that like Julian Edelman for a bit more expensive, if he scores once doesn't pay off. But yeah, I think the question is more that are you double stacking or not? And with a rushing quarterback like Cam, I don't think you have to double stack, but in my opinion, you still at least have to run a minimum of a single stack on any quarterback in the NFL right now. Yeah, I, I love the stacking talk you're talking about. I agree with it wholeheartedly. I, I want to point out one concern with Nikhil Harry just because, you know, his target share is so rich right now. People are definitely going to look to him at 5,300 on FanDuel. His average depth of target is below six. He's, you know, one of the lowest average depth of targets in the entire NFL. They're running a lot of screens with him, these low A dot plays. It, it kind of reminds me of the Jarvis Landry role back when he was with Miami, where it was, you know, if he doesn't rack up 10 catches for you, what is he really doing for you? And now I know the price is right with Nikhil Harry, but I still really question the upside for this guy in tournaments. It makes me kind of consider going to Julian Edelman a little bit more who comes in with the lower ownership of the two in this spot. But ultimately, I don't think it's the best stacking spot. I am a little bit interested, but I think there's other plays, which brings me to leverage. You touched on Godwin Evans. I know you like them. Any other spots you you like on this slate? The Philly-Cincinnati game particularly stands out to me, but I'll give the floor to you on a potential leverage spot that you like at wide receiver. Yeah, I am not too enthused about what we've seen from A.J. Green at the start of the year. And given his history of injuries and his age, I think he's like 31 right now, and I'm not sure at some point if he will even be committed to the team. He's, I believe he's on the franchise tag right now. And really I'm sure he does not want to be on that. They're a losing team. And I believe that's what we saw last year is that he could have probably come back at some point and was like, I'm not coming back to this team. They look like they still aren't very good, but man, them air yards, baby, them sweet, sweet air yards. I'm going to feed my family with 300 AJ green air yards in week three, the most unconverted air yards and the most total air yards. And he's going to come in at very low ownership across the industry, I would imagine. It's a good game environment. We know the Bengals are going to play fast and they're going to almost exclusively pass. Joe Burrow leads the league in attempts right now. And he talked about, I believe him and AJ Green both talked about in their press conference, it was probably after the Browns lost, that they need to get better on that connection. I'm not sure if that means anything in terms of projecting it forward, but it is nice to know that it's on their mind, that my fantasy points are on their mind. And we see him coming in at less than 2% ownership. I would, this surprised me as well. On the other side of the ball, we have a lot of chalk and Miles Sanders. Deshaun Jackson, 5,500 at less than 2% owned as well. I think that is really interesting. Depending on how you chart air yards, is the number two in the league in air yards also probably number two in unconverted air yards. So I think you have two guys that are maybe old and not as talented as they were at one point. 
But given the volume they're seeing, they are bound for regression or to be taken off the field. You cannot unconvert all of these air yards and keep on the field. So either you believe in them to at least at some point sporadically put up points and this would be the spot or you're just out on them. At these crazy low ownerships, I'm in on Deshaun Jackson, A.J. Green, even single stack. But I definitely think you could just play Joe Burrow, stack him with A.J. Green and bring back Deshaun Jackson. The truth is, Kyle is playing DFS in 2016, guys. Deshaun Jackson I and love, AJ Green are in his love lineup. DFS in 2016. But I, you know what? It, jokes aside, I do agree with you that AJ Green is in a nice spot here. You talked about the Joe Burrow connection and a staff from Lafayette, our boy over at Osmo.com, he pulled this from Pro Football Focus. AJ Green has eight deep targets that's charted by Pro Football Focus as a target beyond 20 yards downfield. He has eight of them, and all eight were uncatchable. So AJ Green, it's not like all of this is on him. He has looked wash at points, but he's also made some pretty nice plays as well. I don't want to put this on AJ Green. And for you mentioned it, sub 2% ownership is certainly a spot I'm looking to for leverage. Uh, one other spot, a, a game we haven't touched on a lot is, you know, the LA Rams game taking on Buffalo. I, I think there's a lot of really interesting plays here, like Robert Woods. You could look to a guy, you know, like Stefan Diggs is also, he's actually popping in ownership a little bit here. But in particular, you know, I want to talk about a game script that hasn't happened yet this year. The Rams trailing, but what if it does? The Rams are running a ton of plays, 69 and a half plays per game. They've been very run heavy to this this point, only passing 43% of the time. But if last year, if we looked at what the Rams did when they were trailing far more often, Jared Goff was tied for the league leaded pass attempts. Right now we have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup coming in with the targets here north of 20%, but they're both projected for a fraction of the ownership of some of the other higher owned plays we've talked about on the slate in a game. I think that is quiet, sneaky shootout potential, a total right around 47 and a half right now, a Bills team that's fast on the other side, running 70 plays per game. It has a lot of appeal to me in a potential leverage spot. What do you think about this Bills matchup? Are you in on any of the Rams receivers? Yeah, I think the Rams receivers are a great place to start breaking down this game because the Bills, I believe, are favored and they played really incredibly well under Josh Allen through two weeks. And if we see the flip, if we see the script flip, like you said, they play fast. They just haven't needed to completely air it out. Last year, when they were losing by over a touchdown, they were the fastest team in the NFL. And when they were losing by any points at all, they were the most pass heavy team in the NFL. Like McVay knows how to put the pedal to the metal when he needs to. He just hasn't absolutely had to do that so far. So, yeah, I think a, a Josh Allen stack with Rams bringbacks or even the other way, I think just stacking this game in general is going to be far less popular. Like we're seeing such an ownership condensed like Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf stack. The same thing with Mari Cooper, Michael Gallup. I think it's fair to run just one-offs of those games. And this is probably, I would say, one of the premier games to go contrarian stack with and then run one-offs. I think you can stack either side. Josh Allen playing so well. Jared Goff capable of putting up numbers when his team is losing. Both sides look great. And the ownership, especially on the Rams side, as you mentioned, is really solid. Yeah, I'm just going to say Robert Woods, 500 cheaper than Cooper Cup. He has more targets, running more routes. A little bit interesting to me. Certainly interested in this Robert Woods talk. We've talked about a lot of guys we want to target. Let's get to a couple of fades at wide receiver. I, I think I know where you're going to go with the Michael Gallup fade already. Who's someone else you're thinking about pivoting away from? Maybe in a popular game, maybe not. Yeah, I'll start at the top with Tyler Lockett. His, his ownership projection is just absolutely mental right now. He's awesome. He's a great play. 6,800 is cheap. You All just he love DK. I, I do love DK. I, I just think it, the fact that people are so convinced, you know, 13 what is this 13 percent of the field or so 12 percent of the field is saying that uh i don't know i actually like nine because i can't do math but a, a significant portion of the field believes so strongly that dk is the move over tyler lockett i'm just going to pivot when we know that anything can happen on a sample of eight targets in a single game looking down i think you kind of sold me on i'm not saying Nikhil harry hard fade but maybe just in tournaments he's a guy who doesn't necessarily have the upside if i'm playing cam newton in tournaments which i'll probably have some exposure to Julian Edelman is a guy who I'd prefer to stack with him. Outside of that, not a ton of guys that I think are like egregious ownership. I think it is more important about how you play them. I would, you know, I'm probably not running a ton of solo Tyler Lockett. I, I'm not going to run much of Tyler Lockett. In fact, I'd much rather stack DK Metcalf. Looking down a little bit, uh, Julio Jones. I mean, where do you fall in this? Draft, or DraftKings has, I believe, Julio Jones still priced ahead of uh, Calvin Ridley. I think, obviously, it looks like it's flipped on FanDuel. Julio Jones getting a decent amount of ownership. Is it possible that just Calvin Ridley is officially the guy and people are people are clinging on to 2016 on Julio Jones when they should be doing it with Deshaun Jackson and A.J. Green? The ownership for Jones right now, 
is significantly higher than Calvin Ridley. I'm honestly just going to keep going back to the well of Calvin Ridley and people course until people course correct. I'm honestly a little worried about Julio's health. There have been some reports sneaking out this week that Julio, he aggravated that hamstring on the, on the drop touchdown. I believe it's hamstring. Correct me if I'm wrong. But no, I think that's it. Yeah. He was, he was barely practicing last week. I know that's, that's nothing surprising for Julio Jones. It's kind of been the, the report for him the last five years. Now, this one seems a little bit worse. I, he was in and out of that game. So I, I do think Ridley's just the safer play overall if you think Julio's hurt. One other fade I'll mention, the Lions team, we talked about them potentially with depressed play volume. Marvin Jones is a guy at 6,100. I think he takes a, a step back to Kenny Galladay, but you could even consider a Kenny Galladay fade here too. But before we move on to the tight end position, I have a special offer for you guys, something to tell you about. If you look to our Twitter page at Osmo underscore comment, our pinned tweet, we have a giveaway, a $250 year pass giveaway. It is a question. You have to answer this. Will Ryan Fitzpatrick or Gardner Minshew have more passing yards tonight? So you reply to the pinned tweet with your answer. You must follow at Osmo underscore com on Twitter and Osmo NFL. You must like the tweet and reply by kickoff. That is 8.20 Eastern time in order to enter the contest. Again, it is a $250 year pass giveaway, an absolutely incredible value. And all you have to do is pick Ryan Fitzpatrick versus Gardner Minshew tonight. We had a little breaking news. I'm going to break on the stream. DJ Chark is out. I don't know if this sways your decision, but that is the offer. Again, it is the pin tweet at Osmo underscore com. You guys can check it out there and feel free to leave your response and try to predict more passing yards. Now the tight end position, Darren Waller. He's the guy we have to talk about. He leads the NFL in target share. Absurdly. I, you know, things that we could have talked about at the beginning of the season, you could have said Bill Belichick likes to take away the opposing number ones when he faces them. So Las Vegas is pretty clearly, clearly Darren Waller. I'd say, are you interested at 6,600? You have to pay up for Darren Waller. I know you're going to have the salary if you're taking those cheap running backs, but Man, I just don't feel great about it. Tell me I'm wrong. No, I, I'm with you. Uh, he's coming in so so highly owned. He's expensive. I think his price is fair. I think he literally leads the NFL in target share. That means his price is certainly warranted. It's not an egregious price. But at that ownership, are we confident that he is able to beat a defense who only has to prepare for him and Josh Jacobs, I guess? But if I'm a defensive coordinator, what do I care if they run for five yards a carry. I'm trying to take away Darren Waller. And we know Bill Belichick does this time in, time out. I'm I'm going to be fully off Darren Waller just because of the ownership. I think he's a fine play at his price, but there are better points per dollar plays on the slate. And there are certainly better ownership plays. Yeah, I agree. The, the ownership on tight ends is really interesting. We have Darren Waller, number one, TJ Hawkinson, number two, he's 5,400 on FanDuel. That is, that is very, very cheap for a guy like TJ Hawkinson, but I still have my concerns. He's actually a fade for me. And it's because Despite the decent box score production that he's put up for you guys, he's only seen nine targets. That's a 13% target share. And more importantly, he's only running a route on 62% of Matthew Stafford dropbacks. That's just not enough opportunity for me to comfortably target at the tight end position. So, you know, at 5,200, there's a lot of other plays I would rather target. And one in particular that is just baffling to me is Dallas Goddard, 5,200. He's coming in projected for less ownership than TJ Hawkinson. What? How was Dallas Goddard not just the absolute lock of the century? Yeah, TJ Hawkinson, it's weird. I would say that, yeah, like the TJ Hawkinson price isn't bad. It's the Dallas Goddard price being terrible compared to TJ Hawkinson and the fact that people still want to go back to Hawkinson, despite it seems like Kenny Galladay is going to play. We've talked about how the Detroit side could be a potential fade based on the way Arizona plays their offense and chews up clock. It's not that I think TJ Hawkinson is a bad play. It's the fact that you've got Dallas Goddard for 200 cheaper. That just blows my mind that people would ever make the decision to go TJ Hawkinson when they could have a team's number one receiver, essentially, in Dallas Goddard on their team. He's leading the team in every receiving category. He's been more efficient than Zach Ertz. Why would you ever play at the ownership? Like, sure, if people were going to say 20% Dallas Goddard ownership, 2% Hawkinson, sure, flip the script on them. Absolutely. In no universe am I ever clicking on TJ Hawkinson over Dallas Goddard, given the ownership discrepancy where Hawkinson looks like he's going to come in at 5% higher owned. Every time I look at tight ends, I'm clicking the button on Goddard over Hawkinson every single time. 
Agreed. And there's a lot of players I am clicking Dallas Goddard over. I mean, John Smith is another one that projects for decent ownership. He's in this range as well. 5,600 yep. on Fanduel for Janu. And man, if you played Janu last week, he really bailed you out with those touchdowns because he was not exactly the most involved player in the NFL. He only has 12 targets on the year. I mean, Brian Tannehill's not dropping back a lot. 27 dropbacks for him, five targets. I mean, that's an incredible target rate. And the touchdown really is what gets you there. I know John who looks explosive, but he's still only running around on 59% of Tannehill dropback. So he's going to be a guy I potentially look to fade this week as the public jumps on him after the positive performance. I mean, tight end is really spread out. Is there anyone else you, you are particularly interested in targeting at the tight end position? Yeah, I think Noah Fant garnering next to no ownership is interesting. 5,800, he's more like he's not as good of a play on points per dollar basis than, you know, Goddard probably falls into that range of, TJ Hawkinson, but his target share is going to be immense. Those are not going to be the greatest targets with Drew Lockout. I assume we'll see Jeff Driscoll since I would imagine Bortles didn't get into the building until like Tuesday or Wednesday or something. So I would assume we'll see Jeff Driscoll. I don't really want to buy into either piece of this or either, uh, you know, regardless of who the quarterback is, I'm not trying to buy into this offense, but he is going to be one of the league leaders in tight end target share. He's incredibly athletic. And through one season and two games in the NFL, he's done nothing but put up fantasy points. So he's a guy that at his low ownership, I think is a great large field tournament pivot. It doesn't look like the projection is going to be great, but he also gets a ton of like low ownership plays on the other side. And those are plays you can actually get excited about. Like I'm hesitantly sort of excited about Noah fan. The Chris Godwin coming back should be exciting, especially given his ownership. So I think that's maybe a way you could play one-offs in this game. It doesn't have to exactly explode. We just need to see an okay showing from Denver and a good showing from Tampa Bay. And that kind of makes an interesting 1v1 stack as a secondary or even tertiary stack. Outside of that, I think Dallas Goddard makes sense that his ownership. It doesn't seem to be enough. I like I like Logan Thomas, but he's coming in with, you know, people are starting to warm up to him. His price has come up to 4900 I still think it's a good spot against Cleveland, who seemingly annually cannot cover tight ends. And as much as, you know, Dwayne Haskins burned us last week, we're still seeing the volume of Logan Thomas, I believe, 8-9 or 9-10 targets in the past two games. Clearly his team's number two receiver. Until his price gets up over 5000 or his ownership is up, you know, 7-8%, he's a guy who I'm going to be over the field on. All right, I have one for you. You're going to have to tell me if I'm crazy again. It's back to the Cincinnati-Philly game. What about Drew Sample? 4,800 on FanDuel. CJ Uzoma goes on season-ending injury reserve. Drew Sample basically steps up and plays an every-down role with Uzoma out. Sample, I mean, based on the limited sample he's run on, he's run around on 45.8% of borough dropbacks. He received eight targets. That's a 15% target share. I think he's absolutely a viable punt in a sneaky shootout game. It's a Cincinnati team that outside of AJ green, I don't think they have really that many strong targets. I mean, Boyd's running a lot of routes, but now with green back in the picture, he's not seeing the targets just 13 for him. T Higgins is a guy with a sort of a tenuous role in this situation right now. John Ross was relegated mainly to the bench. Auden Tate was a healthy scratch. I don't know if, T. Higgins could lose playing time to any of them at any point. Drew Sample, I think, is a very interesting punt play at the tight end position. Yeah, you you said it. And that's really, I've been thinking about how I want to attack, because I, I like Joe Burrow. I like the way that the team plays. At least it's good for fantasy. It's a fine matchup against the Philly team that's looked pretty bad through two weeks. I like their their side of the ball, but I wasn't really sure what to do with it outside of A.J. Green racking up air yards. Because like you said, Tyler Boyd just not seeing the targets. That He's a guy who has really needed a ton of targets, and he's gotten them at points in his career. Last year, had an incredible amount of targets, but he still wasn't scoring touchdowns. And although that is kind of random, it's also because he's not a great red zone. Like, he's not a guy you typically want to get involved in the red zone, and they didn't a ton. Now he's knocking the targets either. He is a guy who I completely leave off my rosters. So I wasn't sure how do I want to play my Joe Burrow stacks. Now I do feel like I can have some confidence in Drew Sample, even though was largely taken, I believe, was he like second or third round, which was egregious, as a blocking tight end out of Washington. If he's going to be on the field for nearly every snap of all Joe Burrow's dropbacks, that is going to lend, like, that is going to lend him some targets. We saw it last week. He had, like, I think most of his targets even came in the fourth quarter. It was like six or seven fourth quarter targets, which is absolutely insane. If you think this team is going to be losing, he makes a good run back from the other side of the, of the field to your Philly stacks. I think he is probably a very solid play, despite me not really loving his talent. Yeah, I agree. He'll be, I think, a dart throw for a good reason. And it's not like you have to play a lot of Drew Sample to come in over the field. He's, he's projecting for less than, than 1% ownership right now. But before we move on to some bold calls, guys, I want to tell you about some free content over at Osmo.com. Today, we have NFL Showdown rankings. Of course, this is very important. 
that Jacksonville Miami game is tonight. And maybe you're not sure how the DJ Chark situation shakes out. Check out the rankings, see what Osmo himself thinks. Great way to attack the slate. We also have NFL projections for week three free today, ownership rankings for NBA, MLB player projections available all for free today. Go ahead and check those out. And just so you guys know, we have a podcast network. I think a lot of people aren't aware the Osmo Podcast Network. All of these shows end up on there. So if you're ever driving, not available to watch on YouTube, check that out. A great way, easy to consume content all on the Osmo Podcast Network available everywhere you find podcasts. But some bold takes. So I, I think you and I have been pretty bold on the show with you know some of the, the plays we're fading in some of those chalky games. And I think we've laid out a lot of really nice situations where people can gain some leverage. For me, I'm not sure how bold this is, but without Christian McCaffrey, I do think targets are funneled to DJ Moore. And I think the Teddy Bridgewater DJ Moore stack is going to win someone a lot of money this week. My bold call is DJ Moore is wide receiver one on the weekend to defend this take a little bit. Chargers taking on Carolina. I think this is a sneaky pace up spot. We talked about the pace for the Panthers. They're running basically at the pace that Joe Brady wanted to. Now the Chargers side, quietly fourth in place per game. I think given the pace, given the lack of Christian McCaffrey and the quiet efficiency of Teddy Bridgewater to start the year, this is a really quiet but sneaky place that we could gain some leverage on the field. What are you looking at for bold takes? Where are you going off the board? I'm going to say, because I like yours a lot, so I'm going to stick with not an entire game stack, but one that you could dovetail into your game stack quite nicely is that a single 1v1 of 100 yards and a touchdown for both A.J. Green and Deshaun Jackson for at least one shining moment. We live again in 2016, and they both convert their air yards to 100 and a touchdown each. It is the old man stack for all of the money on FanDuel this weekend. Thank you guys for watching. Before we head out, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you know when we are live. That is the best way to support Kyle, myself, the entire awesome old crew. And thank you guys for watching. We'll be back again next week with the FanDuel DFS Strategy Show. Good luck to everyone out there. We will catch you later.